You know, it's my great pleasure right now to introduce to everybody a man who really needs no introduction. Carl. 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 Dragon. King. Carl. I'm not calling the fans geeks. I'm not calling them rednecks, tobacco chewing nothing, because I've done all that myself. Carl. 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 Dragon. King. Carl. In your dreams, you will see me. Excuse me, please. Let's don't talk negatively. I'm going to win the title, I'm going to keep my money and buy me some good old Tennessee drinking whiskey with it. Thank you for being such a great husband. And this is for you, Fannie Mae. Solid gold, baby, just like you and me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to When It Was Cool Wrestling. This is Carl Stern. Thanks very much for joining me here. If you're listening to this at WrestlingObserver.com, Figure4Online.com. Of course, this is the Dragon King Carl Classic wrestling audio show and we do a rotation of shows looking at the history of professional wrestling i am a court certified wrestling historian that is in fact a true statement Uh, back in the early 2000s i was certified by the state of georgia as a pro wrestling expert during a uh, litigation between a group of wrestlers who was suing turner sports for discrimination i did fact finding Uh, for that uh, legal matter that was ultimately settled out of court. And from that, I got zero amount of dollars, but I got uh, the pride of being called, at least to my knowledge, the only court-certified expert in professional wrestling. So I'm going to pass along some of that expert knowledge. Actually, what we're going to do is research a book called Wrestling in the Garden, Volume 1, 1875 through 1939. This is our Madison Square Garden, the history of pro wrestling at Madison Square Garden series. Many people have said how much they love this series. It is probably my favorite one to do, too. We're up to 1905. This is the biggest thing that's going to happen so far at Madison Square Garden uh, to, to this date, to 1905. We've talked about some outright hilarious stories for people who think pro wrestling was all shoot up to 1905. Boy, do you need to go back and listen to the preceding seven shows in this series because, wow, what a bunch of wacky working was going on. Uh, Just corruption, payoffs, the police are involved in corruption. It, It was an absolute hilarity a lot of the stuff that was happening in the biggest most famous sports arena in the world well now things are about to get serious right this is the show where we're going to talk about what ultimately is the genesis what is that well not ultimately it is the genesis of the world heavyweight championship the first real truly recognized world heavyweight championship of professional wrestling Every promotion that's come along in the last hundred years has, or more now has tried to uh, tie their championship belt back to this match, these people, uh, be it the National Wrestling Alliance, be it WWF, be it AWA, all of them have tried in some way to tie their championship back to this. Now, it can't be done, really, because by the time Frank Gotch gets his championship, he never loses it. I mean, he legit never loses it. The next world heavyweight champion out of that really and truly should be a new lineage. Uh, Frank Gotch several times with a a number of different people, you know, gave his blessing 
for them being the next champion. He even refereed some. He even showed up at you know ringside to you know give his approval for certain matches. And this lineage continues, although again you can't. Re- it lies vacant between Frank Gotch and the next guy, which we'll you know we'll eventually get to. But we're talking about the creation of it, George Hackensmith. So we've talked a lot about George Hackensmith on some of our other wrestling history shows. He's not only a pioneer of professional wrestling, he's a pioneer of bodybuilding, of, of strongman, physical culturist. George Hackensmith was a superstar back in this day. He was, uh, you know, uh, doing feats of strength and, and of course, wrestling uh, very frequently in Europe where he won a number of tournaments, you know, actual tournaments to win various championships in different countries. The only country really with any degree of pro wrestling um, exposure that Hackenschmidt's not yet the champion of is America, the United States. We have our own American heavyweight champion here, and that is Tom Jenkins. We talked last show about Tom Jenkins beating Frank Gotch at Madison Square Garden and how interesting it is that Frank Gotch never won a match at Madison Square Garden. We think of Frank Gotch as this largely unbeatable wrestler. We, you know, Most people realize he lost a few matches along the way. Madison Square Garden was his worst venue. He never won a match there, and we're going to talk about another one he lost coming up probably here on today's show. In fact, almost certainly. Because interestingly enough, and and I love this book. This is uh, one of Scott Teal's books. Great. I mean, he does such tremendous research. Strangely enough, he doesn't have that much about this, and this is a a hugely historic uh, match. But I've dug up some other stuff. We'll, We'll look at some stuff outside the book, but we're going to talk about May 5th, 1905. George Hackenschmidt beats Tom Jenkins in two straight falls. The first fall went 31 minutes, 15 seconds. The second fall went 22 minutes and four seconds. Was this legitimate? Was this a real shoot? Well, I've come to suspect almost every single match in this era as being a work or at least largely a work or at least started out as a work. Let's look into what we can find about this match and see if we can come to any sort of determination. Not that that really matters because it does, you know, crown really the first worldwide accepted heavyweight champion. So what uh, what they have in this book, the the wrestling in the garden, and again, this is kind of hard. This book's kind of hard to find. It's uh, I got it off Amazon. It's there on Amazon. I'm reading it on Kindle right now. Uh, for some reason, the algorithms don't hit this book very good. You've got to type. You can't just type in pro wrestling at Madison Square Garden and expect to, uh, you know, expect to get it. Uh, you've got to literally type in the title "Wrestling in the Garden, Volume One" uh, to get this book. So, this is what he has in there. As a result of winning two falls over Jenkins, Hackenschmidt won recognition as the world heavyweight catch-as-catch-can champion in North America. Prior to that, he was recognized as the Greco-Roman world champion. Despite the loss, Tom Jenkins continued to call himself the American heavyweight wrestling champion, while Hackenschmidt now claimed the world title, thus splitting the world title lineage for the first of what will become many times. And now that's, you know, history has judged that differently. You know, Tom Jenkins could say, whatever he was, and he did go on to be. Uh, and he really was still the American champion. It wasn't like he unified. They, 
Jenkins, I mean, Hackenschmidt didn't unify anything. He just won, you know, he just beat the champion of America, of Russia, of England, of uh, Spain, of uh, Germany, all these different places. He uh, won these tournaments and stuff over, you know, to, to gain recognition as the champion of that country. Well, he beat the champion of America. Uh, you know, and it's a different thing somewhat back then in that, you know, didn't necessarily, they, there were uh, belts, championship belts, trophies, medals, things of that to, to designate you as the champion. But in large part, it was just, you know, a, a, a title, a, a, uh, something you tacked on to your, not a title as in a physical thing, but a title as in something you tacked on your name, like doctor or, you know, PhD or MD or something like that. You know, you were the champion of America, Tom Jenkins. And so it wasn't necessarily a physical thing that would change hands so much as a recognition that, okay, George Hackenspit has now beat the champion of America. He's the champion of everywhere else. He is the world heavyweight champion. And historically, everybody has uh, basically agreed with that, and I think it's it's correct. So that's all he has about uh, in this book, unless there's something uh, ahead in the uh, in the notes that I'm not seeing. But uh, so I went online and found uh, the uh, newspaper articles. The New York Times. You have to have a, a subscription to read the whole article there. But in the uh, free free preview, I guess this is what it says: George Hackenschmidt. By his great strength, defeated Tom Jenkins last night for the world championship at Catches Catch Can Wrestling. At no period of the match held in the Madison Square Garden was the American anywhere near to securing a fall from the vaunted Russian line. Okay, so that's that. So I searched newspapers.com and I found uh, this article. Um, I'm not even sure. Oh, yeah, this is, the, in fact, the New York Times article itself. So. I guess this went out on news wires. Hackenschmidt is wrestling champion. Russian defeats Tom Jenkins in straight falls. And for some reason, it's got Tom in quotation marks. Like, that's his nickname. That was his actual name. At Madison Square Garden. Big men display all tricks at the catch-as-catch-can game before good-sized crowd. And I also noticed in Teal's book, he didn't have the uh, attendance and maybe it's listed in the uh, New York Times article. I have the this is what I have on the Ultimate History of Pro Wrestling Zone, meaning I got this from a newspaper somewhere. Tom Jenkins defeats Frank Gotch. Excuse me, wait a minute. That's Gotch. Where's the uh, where is Hackenschmidt? Hackenschmidt. Okay, uh, what is? I've lost my dates here. Oh yeah, here it is. No, I don't have the the attendance either. I just have what. New York Times has George Hackenschmidt defeated American champion Tom Jenkins in New York to finally become recognized as undisputed world champion in the United States. So I don't know if they <laughs> just this thing become historically bigger than it was at that moment or there just wasn't good communication or whatever. But this is what the New York Times had to say. Maybe we'll glean some more facts there. George Hackenschmidt, by his great strength, defeated Tom Jenkins last night for the world's championship at Catches Catch Can Wrestling. At no period of the match held in Madison Square Garden was the American anywhere near to securing a fall from the vaunted Russian line. Both of the falls, which pinned Jenkins' shoulders to the mat, were secured by half-Nelson holds used in combination. The respective time of each was 31 minutes 15 seconds and 22 minutes 4 seconds. 
Tim Hurst acted as referee, and Hugh Leonard and John J. O'Brien of the New York Athletic Club as judges. As the two big men came together at the call of time, an almost oppressive stillness succeeded the noise of a moment before. Jenkins played trickily to get Hack down to the mat. He cleverly evaded several half Nelson holds, but finally Hackenschmidt secured a full Nelson and uh, turned Jenkins over for what appeared to be a fall. Tim Hurst hovered over the pair as they lay upon the mat like a hen over a brood of chicks, first on one side and then on the other, slipping his hand under the American's massive shoulders to ascertain whether or not he was pinned to the mat. Tom bridged perfectly so that Hackenschmidt shifted to a half-Nelson hold, and then dropping his weight upon Jenkins, he pressed the latter's shoulder to the mat. The time was 31 minutes, 15 seconds. Hackenschmidt went to his opponent right after the start of the second bout. In his efforts to get Jenkins down on all fours, he repeatedly sent the American whirling. Once he gave Tom a taste of his prodigious power by grappling him by the shoulders and whirling him clearly off his feet. Finally, the deadly half-Nelson came Jenkins' way again, and although he used all his art to overcome it, Hack, by this hold and a further arm hold again, pinned him to the mat at 22.04. So it's interesting, there's no real uh, indication of the crowd there other than it was a, quote, you know, large crowd or whatever. And uh, interestingly enough, as compared to some of the more outlandish and and uh, silly silliness that's been in Madison Square Garden before, the historical turning point of all of professional wrestling's future history in the United States seems to have had very little fanfare in the press going forward. And that's really what we have on the, uh, the ignition of the World Heavyweight Championship of Pro Wrestling. May 5th, 1905, George Hackenschmidt beating Tom Jenkins in two straight falls. Well, Tom Jenkins didn't rest long, and again, he is still um, holding the American heavyweight championship. He's just not the world champion. And uh, he's going to face, you know, the, 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 the number, I guess he would be number three man in pro wrestling now in 1905. Your rankings, if we're ranking them, is are clearly number one, George Hackenschmidt, number two, American champion Tom Jenkins, and number three, the man without any championship, Frank Gotch. So they're going to face. Let's, let's face number two and number three again, just like we were in a, you know college football uh, playoffs or NFL playoffs or something like that. We got our number two and number three against one another. And as you already know, spoiler alert, Frank Gotch never wins at Madison Square Garden. So May 19th, you know, just a, 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 what, two, a week a week after uh, Tom Jenkins loses to George Hackenschmidt, Jenkins is back in the main event at Madison Square Garden against Frank Gotch. He beats Frank Gotch two falls to one. Jenkins wins the first fall in 27 minutes, 35 seconds. Uh, Frank Gotch won the second fall in uh, 35 minutes, 23 seconds. And then Jenkins won the third fall in 11 minutes, 10 seconds to retain the title. Now, there was an undercard to this match, a catch-as-catch-can match with young Hackenschmidt 
beat Charlie Wheel in two straight falls. And again, you're going to see many of these young something and others after. And then this is basically what they're saying is this person in the spirit of. It's kind of like a Mr. Wrestling 2 or a something another junior. You know, it's a we we want you to remember or know or this guy's very popular and famous now. Well, here is an upcoming version of this same person. Young Hackenschmidt was a a wrestler that was uh, went usually by the name the Bavarian Tiger. And uh, so he beats Charlie Wheel. Then we have another young on the show, Young Robert. Remember, Ernest Robert was the early star at Madison Square Garden, the first garden, which we talked about in our previous shows. Ernest Robert was the headliner at most of them. Well, we have Young Robert. He went to a draw with a wrestler named by the initial J, last name Barry, like B-A-R-R-Y. They uh, split one fall each. Then the uh, fifteen, then a fifteen-minute time limit expired for the third, uh, so it went to a draw. We don't have an attendance for that one either. Uh, so it's going to be a year. I mean, just about a year to the day before we have wrestling again at Madison Square Garden. We're going to jump now to May twelfth, nineteen oh six. I mean, just uh, a few days shy of one year uh, since pro wrestling's held at the Garden. We get close to 10,000 people there, so this is a good-sized crowd. And notice, uh, notice it's not even a wrestling card for real. It's really part of a boxing show. And uh, that was also almost certainly the draw as the wrestlers here, while one at least has a, a – Pretty significant name value, at least going forward. Uh, neither are Tom Jenkins, Frank Gotch, or George Hackenspit. Uh, we have a catch-as-catch-can match. John Butcher Boy Pinning versus Leo Pardello. And Leo Pardello is a name I've run across quite a bit in the uh, Ultimate History of Pro Wrestling Zone. Uh, Scott's notes on this says this card was part of a boxing card. It was a benefit for victims of the recent San Francisco earthquake. Former boxing champion Bob Fitzsimmons appeared on stage and was given a great ovation, after which he gave an exhibition match in scientific boxing with Kid McCoy and James J. Corbett. Of course, these are all very famous uh, champion-level boxers back in this era. Tom Jenkins and... Kazu met on May 1st to arrange, and I don't know who Kazu is, like a, uh, like a French or something spelled name, C-A-Z-E-A-U-X. I'm, I'm no idea who that is. Um, oh, we're going to get some information, a little bit uh, of info about him coming up. Uh, Tom Jenkins and Kazu met on May 1st to arrange details for a match. The only problem they faced was the style of wrestling. It was decided they would wrestle two out of three falls in mixed styles. Jenkins held out for the catch-as-catch-can style, and Kazoo chose Greco-Roman. The match was to be held at the Madison Square Garden Concert Hall. So I guess this didn't happen. George Kennedy of Montreal, Canada, managed Kazoo, said he stands 5 foot 11 and a half inches tall, weighs 210 pounds, and came in second in the most recent World Championship Tournament in Paris, so I guess he'd come in uh, underneath uh, George Hackenschmidt. Jenkins planned to use the match as a stepping stone towards a match, another match with Frank Gotch. 
All right, so May 11th, 1908 is our next show at Madison Square Garden. Three years later, yes, three years later, uh, we get wrestling there again. And um, this time we do get Tom Jenkins against Raymond Sazu. I guess we've got a first name now. Mick Styles. Well, I don't know how it took two years to get to this match. Like, how did it? Maybe it's not clear. Maybe there is a a break missing here in this Kindle version of this book because maybe what Scott's saying is this is May first of nineteen oh eight, two years after the 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 famous boxers Bob Fitzsimmons and, and James J. Corbett and Kid McCoy are at that San Francisco earthquake victims uh, tribute because it, it goes here in the Kindle book directly. Next paragraph: Tom Jenkins and Katsu met on May first but doesn't give the year. I presume that being 1906, but perhaps this is 1908. So for whatever reason between, uh, you know, 1906 and 1908, there's not wrestling at Madison Square Garden. So let's see what happens now that we get up here to our mixed style match with Tom Jenkins versus Ramon Sassou. The match between Jenkins and Sassou was canceled. Yes, a telegram in which Sasu said he had wrenched his shoulder while training and would be able to wrestle was received on May 10th. However, the scuttlebutt was that Sasu decided uh, discretion was the better part of valor and uh, sidestepped the bout at the last minute. All right, so we end up not getting that match. We do get a match in 1908. In September of 1908, this letter goes to the Brooklyn Daily Eagle. And um, this is written by Harry Pollack, who is Tom Jenkins' manager. He writes to the Brooklyn Daily Eagle. To the editor of the Brooklyn Eagle, I understand that Frank Gotch has refused to defend his title against the latest Turkish wonder. Yes, we have yet another... Terrible Turk. Remember, we talked about Ismail, the Terrible Turk. Yusuf. He was he he only wrestled a few matches in the United States. He died going back home. He is, I mean, he's like Andre the Giant, not maybe in stature, although he was a big man, but in terms of just being a huge attraction. I mean, this dude shows up, and we've been spent years trying to recreate them. There's been terrible Turk after terrible Turk after terrible Turk, and now we've got another one coming on. They're still trying to resurrect uh, Yusuf the Terrible. Imagine if Yusuf the Terrible Turk had lived. Just imagine. He would have been a gigant. No question in my mind. They, he would have been in that world title scene just for the tickets being sold. Now, whether they'd actually put it on him or not, I don't know. But he would have been one of the biggest draws in the history of pro wrestling. I'm anxious to see where he's going to land on our uh, 201 greatest pro wrestlers list of all time that's coming out January 1st, 2023 at com, which is the cumulative uh, list. I've taken it from uh, numerous previous lists that have been made, books and, and historians and all this, all, all these lists, ones I deemed credible, and put them all together and average them out. I know some people, I know that, that Yusuf got some votes, and uh, if I had, you know, any, if I would have, you know, 
averaged in a list of my own. I would have certainly put Yusuf in there because I think, I mean, around the the early nineteen late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, they wanted to recreate this guy so badly. So this is when what he's talking about here, uh, this Harry Pollock, the manager of Tom Jenkins. I understand that Frank Gotch has refused to defend his title. It's the latest Turkish wonder with jaw-breaking handle whom Pierre has stared to the shores. It no more. It's no more than one would expect from Mr. Gotch. Tom Jenkins made him quit in the last match they had at the Garden, and it was only last spring that Frank Gotch refused every inducement to come to New York and uh, give Jenkins, who compared him, who compared to him as an old man, a chance to regain his title in Madison Square Garden. Jenkins is in the best sort of shape, and his position as wrestling instructor at West Point Military Academy, and that is true, you know, Tom Jenkins was in tremendous shape, and he did go on to be appointed by the president as the physical instructor at West Point Military Academy, a job he held well into late in his life. That said, his manager says it keeps him in trim and is determined to do everything in his power to force Gotch into a match. As a starter, he will take on this Turk of Pierre's whom Gotch is afraid to meet. Jenkins beat Gotch and made him quit in every match they ever had until the last one in Kansas City when old Tom was so sick he could hardly stand. And he went on to save the promoter, who was a friend of his, from a big loss. Oh, so there we go. There we have the old, my man only lost because he was sick, doing the promoter a favor. And that's the only way this youngster, Frank Gotch, beat the old man, Tom Jenkins. <clears throat> that's good. That's great ballyhoo. Good for them. Uh, it was announced on November 6th that Chicago promoters had been outbid for the Tom Jenkins, Yusuf, uh, Mamont match. So they, they're even using <laughs> Yusef Mamat is the Turk Turkish name they're using here. So um, what happened in that match? Well, guess what? I actually got the results to that. From the New York Times, Friday, November 27, 1908, Yusef Mamat beat Tom Jenkins in two straight falls. 32 minutes, 40 seconds, then 7 minutes, 30 seconds. American wrestler downed by Turk. The Turk completely outclassed Jenkins and after the first 20 minutes had him practically at his mercy. This reads almost exactly like Ishmael Yusuf's, uh, <laughs> the write-ups about him, almost exactly. Although it appears Yusuf is quite a bit smaller than the original Turk. Mamont weighed 199 pounds and was in perfect condition, while Jenkins tipped the scales at 220 pounds and was out of training being flabby and slow in his movements. Well, his manager didn't misrepresent that now, didn't he? <laughs> in spite of Tom Jenkins' excessive weight, he showed considerable activity and appeared in no way distressed with the rough handling he was subjected to. The two men varied their wrestling uh, with a brief fist fight during which Jenkins landed two heavy blows on the side of Mamont's head. The referee warned the men, Closed fist punching, folks, here in 1908. The referee warned the men, and they resumed wrestling. Mamalt won each fall with three-quarters Nelson hold. The betting was 8-5 to five on the Bulgarian before the Thanksgiving night match began. Yes, a Thanksgiving card, closed fist fighting, 1908. 
So we go now to 1909. Yes, we're going to have wrestling now in 1909 at Madison Square Garden. January 28, 1909, a handicap match. Now, this is not your handicap match uh, that you may be familiar with in modern wrestling where two or more men take on one. They're uh, handicapped by numbers. No, this was falls. This was a handicap match back in this era meant I'm going to beat you three times in 30 minutes. You know, I'm not, not that, you know, we're going to split falls or whatever, but I am literally going to pin you this many times in this many minutes. The rules of this one said Siegfried must throw three different men within 30 minutes. Now, not all at the same time, but one after in succession. That could also be the rules of a handicap match, meaning kind of like a, a bull in the ring type deal, if you're familiar with that. So we have Ernest Siegfried beat R.H. Schwartz in two minutes, beat Frank Pascal in four minutes and 46 seconds, and Butch Miller, not of the sheep herders. He wasn't around in 1909, though perhaps he was old, in five minutes, 40 seconds. And then on the undercard, Jim Galvin drew with Neil Olson. Yes, pro wrestling went from, at Madison Square Garden, went from creating the World Heavyweight Championship with George Hackenschmidt and Tom Jenkins and multiple Tom Jenkins-Frank Gotch matches to a few years' worth of I've never heard of these people and never will again. Well, that's about to change. Enter the Combines. This is from Till's book. To control the grappling game in several towns, good local matches proposed. If plans of several local sporting men do not miscarry, Cincinnati will, in the near future, become a wrestling center second to no city in the country, except New York. Jack Curley, the well-known fight manager and promoter of all kinds of athletic affairs, arrived in the city yesterday and soon was busy consulting local sporting men over the wrestling situation in Cincinnati. Curley is secretary of the Empire Athletic Association, which was recently formed for the good of the mat game. The association controls the leading wrestling clubs in America and a mat artist barred from the organization for wrongdoing of any kind finds himself unable to secure engagements, which would pay him to remain in the game. Joe Coffey, matchmaker for the Empire Athletic Club of Chicago, W.D. Scoville of Kansas City, Sandy Griswold of, of Omaha, Earl Rubin of Des Moines, and George Kennedy of Montreal are the members of the Empire Athletic Association. Each one of the gentlemen named is matchmaker of the club in his own city, and Jack Curley, uh, Sylvie Ferretti, Izzy Hurt, uh, Dave uh, Forteus, and Claude Johnson act as consulting board. Curley for for uh, Ferretti and Herc are connected with Joe Coffey. Dave uh, Porteous and Claude Johnson are partners of Scoville at Kansas City. Said Curley last night, the Empire Athletic Association is not in any sense a trust. Each club is allowed to offer its own purses, and there is no agreement to hold down any matchmaker from making a big offer, either in the way of a guarantee or percentage. If Kansas City feels like offering 90% of the gross receipts for a match, their matchmaker has a perfect right to do so. 
If Chicago offers a $10,000 purse for Gotch to meet Yusef Mamat, any of the other clubs, although members of the Empire Association can outbid the offer if they so choose. Only one thing is binding in this association, and there is no appeal from it. If a wrestler is billed to appear and has signed articles to that effect, he must carry out his contract or be barred from ever appearing before any of the clubs in the association. If the majority of the sporting editors in any city write up a match as looking shady, the wrestler blamed for doing wrong will never again be given a match. In plain words, the Empire Athletic Association is in existence to protect the public that supports the game and will not tolerate any wrongdoing in the game. Do you get a feeling that that's probably not true? Do you get a feeling that it don't exist to protect the public, but probably to figure out mm, how can we fleece as much money as possible? How can we blackball people who are giving us trouble? How can we control these matches without any lip from these wrestlers? Probably the latter, right? The, uh, the article continues, the idea simply copies from the rules of the turf associations and baseball bodies and will be strictly enforced. Speaking of the wrestling game, Curley said that the game never was in a healthier condition and that the timely arrival of Mamont and the way he was toppled over every grappler, the way he has toppled over every grappler of note has worked in favor of match shows. And when Mamont re- meets Frank Gotch, a match which most likely will be staged in the later part of March, the biggest crowd that ever assembled for a wrestling show will meet the wrestlers. In size, Mamalt, as compared with the original Yusuf and uh, Holly Adali, is a disappointment. He weighs 198 pounds, and his height is 5 feet 11 inches. He is a finished wrestler and does not depend on brute force. He is the hardest kind of a man to get behind and wrestles in his bare feet with the speed of a deer running. This coming from the Cincinnati Inquirer on Friday, January 29th, 1909. Scott puts this addendum. Henceforth, for the next hundred years or so, the principal names associated as promoters of Madison Square Garden Wrestling will be Jack Curley, Joe Toots Mont, and uh, one of the McMahons. Yeah, Vince Sr. or, or Jess McMahon, Vince Sr., Vince Jr., Many other names will be mentioned, such as Jack Pfeffer and Rudy Dusick, but they were booking agents who supplied talent to the promoters. In other cases, the promoter of record was the person who held the actual license. For instance, the Johnston brothers, names which appear quite often in connection to Garden Wrestling after its 1949 revival, simply held the license under which shows were presented. However, Mont and the McMahons put together uh, most of the cards. At this point in time, Jack Curley was the promoter. So we have one more match. Let's do uh, one more this because this is a, a change in, in history. One more match for 1909. Then for our next show, we're going to jump forward to 1911. We're going to get back to people like Hackenschmidt, Zabisco, and so forth. This is Frank Gotch. Gotch's uh, third and final appearance at Madison Square Garden. He's going to lose this one also. It is a handicap match. 
Now, so he didn't actually get beaten this man. He didn't get pinned or submitted or anything like that. He just said he would be able to throw Dr. Benjamin F. Roller in 15 minutes, and he failed to do so. Therefore, Dr. Benjamin F. Roller gets the on-paper win over Frank Gotch. Frank Gotch is shut out 0-3 for appearances at Madison Square Garden. On the undercard of this was Jim Asbel uh, beat Jack McCormick. And uh, so we will break right there. When we come back next time around for this show, we're going to go up to uh, 1911. We're going to see uh, Hackenschmidt against uh, Stanislaus Sabisco and uh, much more. Henceforward, wrestling at Madison Square Garden is going to get pretty doggone interesting. I think it's been interesting so far. Uh, the early stuff I find really fascinating. Man, there was so much corruption and just outright weirdness going on at Madison Square Garden. It was uh, quite something else. This is definitely a transition period right here. Uh, after Gotch, uh, or excuse me, Hackenschmidt wins the uh, world championship by beating Tom Jenkins, you know, things get uh, really disjointed for a while. Uh, not not much going on there at the Garden. Uh, but when by the time we get back in 1911, yeah, things are going to pick up a little bit. All right, so thank you very much for listening. Appreciate you supporting our show. Remember and spread the word, please, coming up uh, just uh, at the first of the year, January 1st, as a matter of fact, 2003, or 2023. Boy, went back in time there. 2023, a day earlier, actually, New Year's Eve for our Patreon supporters, we're going to release the 201 greatest pro wrestlers of all time list. And this is not... Carl Stern, Dragon King, Carl's list. No, this list is not my opinion. The only input I had into ranking this list was doing the math and averaging the results and putting it together in a readable format. This, according to multiple respected pro wrestling historians, major media rankings, published books, and vetted rankings, are the 201 greatest pro wrestlers of all time with bonus points given for major vetted halls of fame and Wrestler of the Year awards. I myself am a pro wrestling historian as evidenced by our Ultimate History of Pro Wrestling Zone and my When It Was Cool Wrestling podcast. I have voted in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame balloting for over 10 years. I have worked at figure4online.com, wrestlingobserver.com for over 10 years. Constantly, there are discussions and debates about who are the greatest pro wrestlers of all time, and I wanted as definitive a list as possible. Because pro wrestling is subjective, I mean, do you value, quote, work rate, however you might define that over popularity? I, I knew that there were was no uh, more a way to statistically prove who was the best pro wrestler in history than there is uh, a way you can definitively prove who the greatest rock and roll act of all time is, because it's subjective. However, what could be done, and what I have done, is create a consensus list of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. And if you use enough credible sources, you can average out any bias which might exist and come to as definitive a consensus conclusion as possible. This is how I came to create the When It Was Cool 201 Greatest Pro Wrestlers of All Time list, the greatest pro wrestlers ever. I have a source page up at When It Was Cool. You can see the sources and the methodology I used. I have on our free wrestling podcast channel, the When It Was Cool Wrestling Podcast. I've already put out two shows discussing how we come about the list, what 
uh, sources were using, how everything was figured up. So if you would go to wherever you get your podcast from, search the term when it was cool, you'll see three shows. You'll see when it was cool retro. <laughs> That's our pop culture show. When it was cool wrestling and when it was cool dark. I hope you will subscribe to all three and give them a listen. And uh, if you like what you hear, I hope you'll become a Patreon supporter at whenitwascool.com. So thank you very much for listening, and I will be back here soon with another show. Whenitwascool.com is your source for the best in retro pop culture. When It Was Cool features articles and podcasts on retro TV and movies, toys, action figures, pro wrestling, food, video games, and more. Hit the Patreon button to support us and get instant access to hundreds of premium podcasts and features. Family friendly and fun. Whenitwascool.com